So this week I am sharing a really exciting announcement. And if you're listening live this week, I'm also bringing back one part of my three-part series on how to unlock the power of ChatGPT. And I'm doing both of these things because I just launched a new ChatGPT resource for nonprofits that I am so, so excited about. It's the nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, you have heard me talk about ChatGPT before. I am really bought into this tool. It is not some fancy, super techie tool that needs to be built out and figured out. It should be as integrated into your workflow and as simple as Google Docs. It's a capacity builder and a time saver. And my goal is to make it easy for organizations, particularly small and growing organizations where time and money and capacity are really an issue to tap into the power of ChatGPT. If you aren't, you're leaving capacity on the table and I want to help you solve that problem. So I took the questions and the conversations that I've been having with nonprofits for the last really six or seven months and turned it into a concrete tool, which is one of my favorite things to do. The nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters is an all-in-one workspace that supports you at every phase of using ChatGPT in your workflow, from giving you ideas to giving you prompts that you can cut and paste right into ChatGPT, to giving you an already built out place to save and organize the prompts that you like, the personalities that you try, and all of the work that you do using ChatGPT. So, If you are still on the fence about ChatGPT, listen to this week's episode. If you're listening to a different episode and hearing this preview, head on over to this week's episode and get inspired. And when you're ready to take the next step and start saving you and your team hours of time and brain energy every week, you can head to brookrichiebabbage.com backslash ChatGPT dash HQ and grab the workspace. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, where every week I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high-impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Rick Ritchie Babbage. Working to make the world a more just and beautiful place is messy, complex, heart-wrenching, and ultimately deeply joyful and fulfilling work. And none of us can do it alone. That's why I started this podcast, this mastermind community, to hold space for and share the learnings and the questions and the grapplings and the actual concrete strategies that allow us to move our social impact work forward together. So welcome to the mastermind. I'm so glad you're here. One of my favorite songs in Hamilton is History Has Its Eyes on You. It's super short, only about a minute and 36 seconds. But from the very first time I heard it, it just got right in there and struck me really deeply. It still does when I listen to it today, so many years later. I think it's because the first time I heard it, the year it came out, I was at a point in my own leadership of my own organization that felt incredibly trying. It's still a year that I remember both because it shaped my leadership and my organization moving forward, but I think more importantly, because 
a lot of what I learned that year, navigating some pretty harrowing leadership challenges, really transformed me on a deeper level, professionally and personally. I learned a lot about what it means to lead in a way that is sustainable. And I learned a lot about what it means to lead in a way that is mentally healthy. So I wanted to share my experience of this song and what I learned from it about leadership and about mental health this week in honor of Mental Health Week. So the year was 2015. We were having very real financial issues in my organization. Basically, we had run full steam ahead off of a funding cliff. A five-year funding stream had ended, and I hadn't left enough runway to rebuild the gap that was created. Plus, we had added really important staff, so our burn rate had gone up over the course of the five years. It was just a recipe for (laughs) disaster, as I'm sure you can picture. I still remember sitting in my office at 2 a.m. one morning that February and hitting send on an email to my sustainable sisterhood, who many of you have heard me talk about here on this podcast, my crew of six other women EDs that met regularly for all of the years of our leadership and that really um, helped to sustain one another and support one another and push one another and hold one another accountable in our own growth. So anyway, they were my sustainable sisterhood and I emailed them one morning that February explaining that I wasn't sure how I was going to make payroll at the end of the month. And I remember the room, I remember feeling so heavy and alone sitting in that chair. I was embarrassed and I was terrified and I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Now, I don't wanna talk in too much detail in this episode about what I learned sort of tactically that year about fundraising and working with your board. There were so many lessons and each one is like its own entire episode. In fact, I am working on a special series about lessons that I learned in my years of leading and growing my organization and how you can avoid much of the pain that I experienced. The upshot is that it worked out. It worked out for me and my organization and my organization actually got stronger and blossomed in the years to come in large part because of the months that I struggled that year. So for now, in this episode, I just wanna highlight what the lessons were that I learned and then share the deeper takeaway that this song has always sort of struck a chord on for me. So that is the year that I learned about the payoff that comes from running headfirst into my fears, from being bold in the face of my fears. I had so many fears that year, fear of not being able to pay my team, fear of admitting to my board that there were so many things I did not know how to do, fear of going to existing funders and saying, hey, can we talk about upping your support because we actually need more than I was comfortable saying we needed and 
now it's come back to bite me. So can we talk about that? That's the year that I learned about the power of having a crew, my sustainable sisterhood, and a coach, somebody that I could actually turn to who had been down the road and could say, yep, turn left and watch out for that dip in the road up there. It's the year that I learned how important it was to be intentional about identifying my own blind spots and then investing in my own skill development and my own development as a leader, not as an afterthought, but as an actual part of my job. I learned how to really trust my team so that I wasn't out on that proverbial limb by myself. I learned how to partner with my board, not in the textbook way that all of the workshops had taught me about, sort of, you know, going to committee meetings and making sure that they got the monthly update, but in a deeper, truer sense. And it revolutionized both my board in terms of who I brought onto the board, how I partnered with them, and it changed how I showed up and how I continue to show up as a board member. So all of these lessons by themselves were transformative. But here's the thing about this song. And if you haven't heard it in a while, I recommend giving it a quick listen. Again, it's super short. The song isn't about the individual lessons learned over the course of Washington, George Washington, it's, he's the one singing <laughs> over the course of his career. Yes, he describes the absolute failure of his first command. He talks about leading his men into a massacre and witnessing them die. But what I took away was that he's talking about leadership itself. He's describing continuing to feel the weight of that failure, the weight of his missteps in strategic thinking and in leadership. And he's warning Hamilton that as much as he may dream of the glory that comes from battle and leading a, a team, he should know also that there's no escaping the weight of leadership and the inevitable failures and their cost. For me, that was such a powerful message. We talk so much about how to maximize the upsides of leadership, how to increase the strategic wins and get more major gifts and hold amazing board meetings and build a fabulous team. These are wonderful and we want to strive for the positive always. But I think it's also really important and for me, this was a mental health issue that we make real space, psychological space, organizational space, space sector wide to acknowledge that inherent in leadership will be failures and that some of them will be epic. So we can't define the goodness or the badness of our leadership by whether or not we fail. We can't necessarily even define the goodness or badness or effectiveness of our leadership by how epic our failures are. And I think that there's real freedom and lightness in that. If every leader fails, then we are not ever alone in our struggles. If that sense of feeling the weight of messing up is so common that it made it into this musical as a lesson from history, then I was not unique or alone in my situation, and you are not unique or alone in your situation. 
when I hit send on that email to my crew, I got six emails back within five hours, which tells me a lot about <laughs> leadership and sleep. We were all awake at the wee hours of the morning. But those emails shared stories of having been in a similar situation. They shared strategies for what to do. And I know this is cheesy, but as I was going through that year and listening to the Hamilton soundtrack on repeat, as so many of us did, it struck me that if we know we're going to fail, then it just doesn't make a lot of sense to spend our energy trying to avoid it all the time. Instead, we can spend our energy building the tools to fortify us and to help us get back up and keep going. It doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a lot of energy feeling bad or guilty or shameful, but that is the key to effective leadership, to build the tools to learn and respond and keep going. So that was the hallmark of the remainder of my time leading my organization. And when I say it was transformative, just that simple sort of shift in my mental orientation to messing up, it translated into doubling my team, increasing our budget by almost double in two years. It led directly to my first five-figure major donor, my first multi-year six-figure general operating support grant. I actually dedicated time and effort to building my own leadership toolbox, coaching, a dedicated leadership development program, my crew, so many of the things that I coach and teach about now. What I learned is that those are the fundamentals of the practice of sustainable leadership that there's no secret button I was going to press that was going to make sure that I got everything right all the time and everybody agreed with everything I did and I was never embarrassed and I never messed up. I'm honestly still learning, <laughs> still learning that lesson. But what it taught me and what I love about that song, because what I think he's saying is that if we're going to lead and we're going to do it in a way that is mentally healthy and sustainable. We have to accept that we're human. We have to lean into the fact that we're going to mess up and make mistakes. And rather than shying away from that, rather than shying away from or feeling bad that it is heavy sometimes, we need to work together and support one another in building tools to keep going, to carry the weight in a way that does not break us down. That's the foundation for what I do now. This podcast, my newsletters, my courses, my coaching and training programs. In the song, Washington says, let me tell you what I wish I'd known. Now, I'm not Lin-Manuel Miranda or George Washington, but in my own way, I'm focused on taking what I learned the hard way, what really worked and what really didn't work, and giving it to you guys and giving it to my students. So this episode was just about that. It was a short one, it's more personal. I definitely suggest checking out the song and in your own life and in your own leadership, asking yourself how you can invest in your tools to learn, to respond and to keep going, how you can invest in tools to support your own sustainability and humanness as a leader. That's it for this week. I will see you back here next week. 
Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. If you want to begin to put into practice a lot of what we talk about here on this podcast, I encourage you to download the Architecture of Impact Toolkit at richiebabbage.com backslash architecture of impact toolkit, where I translate what I talk about on this podcast into really great and actionable worksheets and toolkits so you can execute everything in your own organization. If you liked this podcast, I would also love for you to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think that what we talk about here could benefit another leader in your life, please share with your friends. Finally, if you'd like more leadership in your life, you can sign up for my weekly five-minute read Leadership Forward 321 newsletter. I send articles, resources, and inspiration every week curated around a leadership theme to help you lead your nonprofit better. You can sign up at richiebabbage.com backslash leadershipforward321. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.